0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. My name is Steve Noble. I have the privilege of serving on the staff team here at the church, and this morning I'm delighted by the opportunity to share a brief message from God's Word as we continue our Advent journey together this morning. Well, as you know, as you can see, we have been journeying together through this Advent series, um, through this Advent season, through a series we're calling Finding the Real Christmas Story. As we've, we've done so, we've sought to find a biblical themes that we might readily see in some of the um, beloved Christmas films that have become fixtures in our family's Christmas schedules. And today, we will continue by reveling in the fact that maple syrup on spaghetti is completely appropriate breakfast food, that gum found on the subway is free candy, and that it's really fun to press all of the elevator buttons. Try that out there if you want this morning. Um, and We this morning will be exploring the theme of joy in the recent classic film, Elf. As we do so, we will look similarly to the joy of the shepherds And the angels, as they celebrated together the birth of Jesus on the day of the first Christmas. As we come together into the presence of God, though, will you first join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we bring ourselves fully before you this morning. We step into the joy of Christmas, the hope of advent, the peace that you bring us, God. Give us courage to rise to the call that you have on our lives. Give us peace to live lives filled with your joy. And Lord, challenge us in the areas where we need to grow and become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, we pray together. Amen. Well, at Christ Church on Christmas Eve, it's a tradition here in the church um, that we sing together the classic hymn, Joy to the World. And so this Christmas, and indeed at the end of the service today, we will sing together, we will lift our voices in anticipation of the coming of our Savior, and we will sing these words together. We'll say, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King, and every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior And we have an opportunity with all of creation to repeat that sounding joy. When we are met with this joy of salvation, the promise of God with us, God Himself come to earth to make a way for us to know Him, there's an appropriate response of worship with complete abandon. Self-forgetting, unguarded, unrehearsed worship. This is the response we see in the angels, these, these messengers of God as they, they come to the shepherds, these insiders heralding the good news of God's incarnation. They invite us to participate in the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This response of worship is what we see in the shepherds. They leave their flocks. They, they rush with abandon to worship the king that was born. These shepherds who model well the reality that the great moments of joy in life are not moments of self-realization but self-forgetfulness. And this response of worship is what we see in Mary who marvels at the work of God in her own life as she treasures up these things in her heart. There is a healthy response when we are faced with the wondrous work of God that leads us to worship with abandon, to even leave our responsibilities and come earnestly with praise into the presence of God. This is a reflex that children understand well. It's one that they often model better than many of us adult, a response of whimsical joy, and its response, as we'll discuss today, that we can see um, imperfectly, but perhaps helpfully, in the movie Elf. Later today in service, we will sing um, together the words of the classic hymn, Joy to the World, and we will say together, let heaven and nature sing. Buddy the Elf has a similar saying where he says that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. When we are met with the wonder of Christmas, the coming of our King, may we be a people who sing of this good news loud for all to hear. I'd like to reflect today um, on three ways that the movie Elf, and particularly the character of Buddy, gives us a model by which we might understand what joy looks like this Christmas. First, Elf models for us that there's a joy that comes when we step into a world that we long hoped for but thought we would never see. If you're not familiar with Elf, the premise is pretty simple. There's a, a baby boy named Buddy living in an orphanage who one Christmas Eve climbs out of his crib and into Santa's bag of presents and hitches a ride with the unsuspecting Santa back to the North Pole. When the elves at the North Pole realize what's happened, they adopt Buddy and they raise him as one of their own. It's a whimsical dive into many of our childhood fantasies. What if someone like me could go visit Santa at the North Pole. And then as Buddy returns to the land of his birth in New York City, the characters around Buddy are invited to wonder as it becomes increasingly apparent that Buddy is in fact who he says he is, that he was raised by elves at the North Pole, that he does know Santa, and that he was trained by Papa Elf to work on the jet turbine that helps Santa's sleigh fly. As we watch the film, we're invited to wonder, right, next to the cozy fire um, with lights in the tree twinkling, we're able to wonder what joy, what joy it would be to step into this world that we've always longed to hope for, always longed to experience. This is the reality of the shepherds on that first Christmas long ago. Sitting on a lonely Judean hillside in the dead of night 2,000 years ago, there sat a small group of shepherds who never thought they would see the coming of the king. They longed for the days of the king Sure enough, the promised king in the line of David who would restore the kingdom to Israel, a king their God had promised that was to be a source of blessing for all peoples, not just their fellow Jews. They longed for the coming peace the kingdom would inaugurate. They heard the prophets of old speak of a time when lions would sleep with lambs, when swords would be beaten to plowshares because they weren't needed anymore, when the poor would be lifted up, when the blind would see prisoners were freed, when God himself would walk among his people once more. But the world they lived in was far from this. They lived in a time of haves and have-nots. They lived under the scepter of Roman rule in the shadow of a failed rebellion and the brutal imperial retaliation that followed. They were Jewish peasants living in the reality of Roman rule and they would have felt about as far from the time of the king as possible. But we know the story. Luke says there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. A messenger of the Almighty God appears to these lowly shepherds and shares with them this good news of great joy that will be for all the people that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you He is the Messiah, the Lord. How will they know that this messenger speaks truth? He says, go into town. Go to the stable and you will find a newborn baby wrapped in cloth lying in an animal's feeding trough. And suddenly there appeared this whole crowd of these heavenly messengers worshiping God, sharing this good news of the inbreaking reign of the king that had long been promised. And in a moment, these lowly shepherds are invited to witness the inbreaking of a world that they never thought they'd see. And their response is important. They respond with appropriate joy and meaningful action. Here, this word from Luke 2. It says, When the angels had left them, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child." And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds are moved to action by what they hear. They leave their flocks, and they go and find what, is ab- what has immediately become more important. And upon finding that the angel's message was true, they internalize that experience, and they allow it to shape this new reality, this new reality to shape and transform how they act going forward. They don't simply return to their flocks all excited that what they found out was true. They go out and they spread the good news. They invite others to experience the joy that they've found. And this looks like an absent father who's... On the naughty list, overwhelmed by this impending work project, burning the midnight oil on Christmas Eve, being so transformed by the new reality he finds himself in that he quits his job. He helps save Santa from the Central Park Rangers and he leads an impromptu Christmas caroling on TV to spread Christmas cheer. When we are met with the joy of Christmas… The reality that Christ is with us when we enter the world that we thought we would never see, it leads us to respond with appropriate joy and meaningful action. Jesus would later share this with a similar sentiment. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. He allowed it to change his life. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything and bought it. When we meet the joy of Christmas that God himself has come here to save us, it leads us to respond with joy and action. Now, I'm mindful that... that Some of us in the room maybe are just coming to know what Christmas is all about. Maybe you're just dipping your toe in the water. This might be your first Sunday here. We are committed to walking with you and helping you to understand this joy that we claim. But all of us have an opportunity when we are met with the reality that Christ is with us, are able to respond with joy and action. The second thing I think Buddy the elf models well is the joy of childlike faith. One of the, the lovable features of the movie Elf is how endearingly childlike Buddy is. One of my favorite scenes in the film um, is when he first arrives in New York City and he explores the city with every bit, the wide-eyed wonder that you would expect from a four-year-old. He hops across crosswalks, he spins around revolving doors, he bursts into a, this grimy diner that has a sign that says, world's best cup of coffee, shouting congratulations. He, there, there's a seedy there's a um, appliance store handing out flyers and he goes and takes them all saying, thank you, thank you. Um, he... He's filled to bursting as he explores the city with this earnest joy for everything that he encounters. Everything is his favorite. Everything is a toy. Everything is an opportunity to explore, to celebrate, to make a new friend because Buddy is a giant child. So what do we we have to learn from that? Hear this interaction with Jesus recorded in Mark's gospel. Mark says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. They said, we don't have time for that. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We are called by our Lord to live with a childlike faith. What's unique about childlike faith? As we've seen modeled by Buddy already, children experience the world with wide-eyed wonder. They are not jaded. They are not skeptical. They don't worry about people's ulterior motives. They believe the best in people. They enjoy beauty. They are awed by what is good and they recoil from what is bad. It's as adults that we learn the nuance of stuff like moral ambiguity that we learn to be as adults skeptical of people's motives. We learn to doubt things are as good as they seem. As we follow the Lord, though, we are invited to follow with the faith of a child I went to the zoo recently with my my two nephews and I I asked the three-year-old, Theo, uh, what's your favorite animal? What do you want to see? And he he replied so proudly, he said, all the animals, because everything's awesome to a three-year-old. And this is the wonder that we're invited to view the world with. This is a little bit of what we see in the shepherds, is the angels, they tell them this good news and they don't wait. The Bible says they rush off. They say to each other, let's go and let's see this thing that the Lord has told us about. This is the reflex we see in the Psalms as they declare, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's childlike. That's buddy the elf faith. Second, childlike faith longs to see, to know, and to learn. As you watch Elf, perhaps this Christmas, I encourage you to focus on the eagerness with which Buddy learns about everything. Elevator buttons, uh, mail rooms, Christmas grams. For children, learning is fun. Learning about the world is an adventure. It's a joy to know more about your friends, your parents, animals, why tides happen, why turtles have shells. My nephew Jude He's six. He's he's recently taken an interest in bats, um, and and l- let me tell you, I've learned a lot about bats that I didn't know before. Um, there's there's a lot of them. There's fishing bats. There's flying fox bats, which are apparently as tall as me almost, which is terrifying. Um, there are fruit bats, horseshoe bats. My my buddy Jude has has dove deep into the world of flying mammals, not for any other reason other than learning's fun. We, likewise, are invited to explore this good world that God has created. We are invited to jump in with childlike wonder and learn about the God who made us, the world He created, and the people in community with us. Childlike faith is also not super concerned with titles appearances or other worldly constructs that we adults put so much stock in. There's this absurd scene in Elf where, where Buddy's dad and his business partners are in a kind of tense meeting with a famous author, and they're all walking on eggshells trying to um, impress this gentleman, and Buddy storms in, and he screams, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it, because kids don't care about titles. British actor John Cleese tells a story of being at a restaurant in London with a, a friend and his friend's young son. And, and one of the men points out that a Nobel Prize winning author, a gentleman by the name of Harold Pinter, has just walked into the restaurant. And so one of the, the older gentlemen says to the, the little boy and says, Look, this, this man who just walked in is Harold Pinter. He is a very fine writer. And the little boy, wide eyed, looks at him and is like, Oh! can he do W's? (laughs) Because kids don't care about Nobel Prizes. The world guides us to put much stock in our titles, in our upbringing, in our accolades, but we're told to live a life that looks beyond such petty constructs. In Philippians Paul addresses this, listing the accolades that he might be tempted to find pride in, and he says beautifully, I consider this all loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Savior for whose sake I have lost all things. Buddy the Elf faith doesn't care much about our status, but sure cares a lot about who we know and that we ourselves are known because childlike faith longs to know and be known. Buddy's in an apartment store, and there's an announcement made that Santa's coming the next day, and he famously melts and says, I know him. I know him. For Buddy, that is a status worth having, being known. Hear Paul's words again from Philippians. He says, I consider all of this, all that he had to claim, claim pride in, I consider all of this loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Savior, for whose sake I have lost all things. Christ. Wants us to be a people who care deeply about knowing Him. This is why, when Jesus teaches us to pray, He instructs us not to pray in public so that we will be seen, but instead to pray in secret. Not with eloquent words so people think that we have it all together, but quietly, humbly, actually taking the time to get to know the God that we're talking to. My friend's son, Augie, um, is two. And he's been learning to pray recently. And they filmed one of his recent efforts um, before a meal. And he started to pray and he said, Lord, thank you for… And he forgot where he was going and finished 5-6 because 5-6 because comes after 4. Um, and, and that's the kind of prayer that our God loves to hear because God's not concerned with… With your eloquence. He's not concerned with our titles. He's concerned with knowing us and he's concerned with our honest efforts to know him. Finally, childlike faith tells the story of what's happened because stories are important and stories need to be told. Buddy tells everyone who will listen about his story that he traveled through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, through the sea of twirly, swirly gumdrops, which is the first time that's ever been said in this sanctuary, I think, um, and then through the, the Lincoln Tunnel. And Buddy tells everyone this because for kids, stories matter, particularly stories of significance. The shepherds model this well. Luke records that after they'd found Jesus, just as the angels had promised that they went and they told everyone they could what had been told to them. The shepherds were the first people to go out and to spread the good news of the coming of Christ. They were unassuming… They were poor shepherds living in a field outside of town. They were not the type of people generally employed to herald the birth of a king. But when the good news of Christ's birth is brought to them, they model well that there's an appropriate response of going out and sharing this news that they have received because childlike faith tells the story of what's happened. Sadly, I think many of us adults in the church have lost a muscle memory for this. We, we've lost our childlike eagerness to tell everyone who will listen about the God who has redeemed our lives from brokenness. I work with, with the children and the youth at the church. Let me tell you, we don't have a problem with kids inviting their friends to church. Every week, every week we have new people coming, new friends coming. But as adults, sometimes it's pretty easy for me at least to stay in my own lane, um, to quietly follow God, not making a big deal about it, not faithfully sharing this hope that I have received with those I love, but we're called to a childlike faith that tells the world of the hope, the joy that we have received. Buddy (laughs) storms into his, his dad's office screaming, I'm in love, I'm in love. May we be a people who share of the transformation that we have received with the same earnestness. What if we were courageous to share, I've been transformed, I've been made new, and I don't care who knows it. Last thing I think that we can learn from Buddy the Elf this Christmas season is that there's a joy that can be found in rising to meet a calling that is bigger than we think we are able As Elf moves to a climax, Santa is in crisis. His sleigh has crashed in Central Park. Christmas spirit has hit an all-time low and the jet turbine that Buddy and Papa Elf fitted to the sleigh to make it fly has broken off. Santa is stranded, and to make matters worse, the Central Park rangers are bearing down on Santa. And Buddy is almost certainly not the elf for the job. He couldn't keep up at all in The elf world he was raised in. He struggled to keep up in the human world he entered as an adult, and he is acutely at this point aware of his failings. He feels small, he feels insignificant, stretched between two worlds, and he's ready to run away, to pack it in, to try his hand somewhere else, but he sees Santa's sleigh crash. And while he feels unworthy to help, he knows that he's the only one who can. And as it turns out, he's uniquely positioned to know how to fix the sleigh and uniquely positioned in the human world to help spread Christmas cheer where no other elf could. And in this moment of redemption, Buddy or Santa himself says to Buddy, Buddy, you're the only elf I want working on my sleigh tonight. And Buddy joins the much fabled ranks of Rudolph and Cindy Lou Who as he saves Christmas. Buddy models for us this joy that comes in rising to meet a call that is bigger than we are able. And I think that is something that each of us can identify with because God has called us to something big. Whether you have been in the church for five decades or five minutes, each of us, we are invited to be people who participate with Christ in ushering in his coming kingdom, to join him in proclaiming good news to the poor liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and to proclaim with Christ the year of the Lord's favor. He invites us to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He invites us in John 20, 21. He says, in the same way God sent me, so too now I send you. He sends us. He sends me, you, into our communities to be Jesus in our communities. Jesus himself says at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he says, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is a high call, It it is bigger than we are able, it is bigger than I am able. Who am I? Who am I to be Christ in my community? Who am I to bring the good news of the gospel, the good news of Christ's kingdom coming? Who am I to be a messenger of God's perfect hope? I I feel small. I imagine that's a bit of how the shepherds felt on the first Christmas. These were ordinary folk, peasant shepherds living in tents outside a small town, called Bethlehem, suddenly invited by the God of all creation to bring the good news of this coming kingdom to herald the birth of a king. A few decades before the birth of Christ, a similar message had been joyfully spread around the Roman Empire. Heralds were sent from Rome far and wide to proclaim good news of great joy that in a palace in Rome, a king had been born. His name was Octavian, Augustus Caesar. He would come to be known as a god on earth, a savior to the people of Rome, author of an unprecedented time of peace in Rome, the Pax Romana. The messengers of that king would have traveled in opulent style, the splendor of their dress and their accommodations reflecting the magnificence of the king who has sent them. But now at the advent of another birth, This one born not in a palace, but in a stable. Messengers are again sent out to proclaim a time of peace, not just for Romans this time, but for all people for all time. And it is this group of motley shepherds, who God sends as the first messengers of the king who has come. And I assure you, I feel pretty confident they did not feel worthy to herald such news. Certainly, they were not the type of people that most kings would choose to carry such a message. But Jesus, as we know, is not most kings. He is the king of the poor, the champion of the downtrodden, a king who proudly declared that in his kingdom, it is the poor in spirit who are uniquely blessed because theirs is the kingdom of God. This is the king that our shepherds tell of. They are not worthy to herald the birth of a king, but still they are invited to carry the message and they rise to the calling that they have received. And we are invited to do likewise. We are similarly unworthy to carry the name of Christ, but still we are invited to carry it. We are unworthy of the calling we have received and we will experience the joy of the Lord when we courageously rise and accept the call that He has given us. Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose And grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. My friends, we are called to a light, a life of A light, a life of influence, a life that tangibly proclaims hope to the poor, peace to the afflicted, and joy to the downtrodden. We are imperfect messengers, but still our God sees fit to use us for his good purposes. May we be courageous to rise to this call and experience the joy of the Lord as we do so. I like the movie Elf as a model for faith because it's, it's totally imperfect. Relationships are messy, the people are broken, the road to holiday cheer is bumpy. Often we're drawn to neat pictures of the holidays. We sometimes have this, this, this beautiful image in our mind of ch- holidays of our childhood. That we're almost certainly not as perfect or as imperfect as we remember. Preachers like me uh, are, are tempted sometimes to preach a Christmas that is impossibly perfect. Pastor Steve Luca uh, uh, captures this reflex well when he says, We want to preach a Norman Rockwell Christmas, but we live in a National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. Or to amend that quote for our topic today, we live in a world more like Elf, where people are imperfect, where we feel inadequate, where we're pressured to fill our lives with work at the expense of our families. We fail those we love. I like Elf as a model for faith this Christmas, not because it's a perfect one, I assure you it's not. But it helps us see that through the imperfection of our lives, we are guided to find joy, joy in realizing our place in a story bigger and more perfect than we thought we'd ever see it. Like it I like it because it models for us the joy that can be found in the whimsical faith of a child, free from all our adult worries and all the extra things that we add to the simple life with Christ that we are invited to. And I like it because it helps me to see anew the joy that can be found in answering a call that is bigger, bigger than any one of us. May we find a little bit of Buddy the Elf joy this Christmas. May we, like the shepherds, respond to the incarnation of our Lord with joyful praise and faithful action. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are imperfect. We fail our families, ourselves, and you in so many ways. But God, still you see fit to use us. May we be courageous to rise to that call to live a life of whimsical faith like the children in our church. Lord, give us courage to be who you've called us to be. Be with those who are alone. Be with those who are sick. And fill us with your peace and joy this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.